0: throughout the whole morning. Wanted to highlight uh, a few things for you. One is, if you're new, one of the ways that we want to connect with you is, there's a couple ways. One's through our Welcome Center, which is right through those center doors there. Uh, if you need help finding a Sunday school classroom or what hours the food pantry is open or a question about an upcoming event, the Welcome center is the, the place to go. They'll give you the information that you need. Another way to connect with us is through that blue card that's in your bulletin that you might have gotten when you came in. That's a great place to ask a prayer request or to ask a question. We'd love to connect with you further, and that's one way you can do it. Or you can find Pastor Mike or myself or one of the elders after a service and talk with us. We'd love to have conversations with you uh, if, if that's helpful to you. Wanted to highlight a few things, some that are in your bulletin and some that aren't. Uh, one that you have a bulletin insert is that the Easter's just a little bit more than a month away. It's, it's coming up soon. And uh, along with our Good Friday service that happens the Friday before Easter, we want to make you aware of, of three things, sort of keep in your brain. One is that uh, the Sunday service times for Easter are slightly different, uh, eight o'clock and 1030. And so make a note of that, That's a little bit different than a normal Sunday service. Uh, the reason for that is because we're going to have baptisms in each service. We have to, a number of people that are looking to be baptized uh, on Easter Sunday, and we get to celebrate that with them. If you've been to a, a baptism service here at FBC, you know that that's good for your soul to see other people proclaiming and professing Jesus as their, as their Lord. And so make plans to be there for that. Both services will have baptisms at 8 and uh, 1030. Uh, we'll also be having our Easter breakfast between the services. I think it's 845 to 1015. So many of you make plans to join us in the gymnasium for a special Easter breakfast. Uh, that's to support our high school missions team that's heading to Ontario this summer. And, uh, and so make plans for that to bring your family, enjoy a good breakfast uh, on Easter Sunday. We enjoy having many guests and visitors come on Easter, and one of the ways we get the word out about that is through just inviting them to be a part of our services. We have some invitation cards at the Welcome Center that you can pick up and share with a friend or a coworker. Let them know that we'd love to have them with us on Easter Sunday. A couple of announcements for today. Uh, Sunday school is a full go for kids and teenagers. That's happening. But adults, you have the week off. Uh, So no adult Sunday school, but kids and teens, yes, but adults get ready. Pastor Tim's coming back next Sunday, and so he'll have that class up and running a week from today. And then also this week, because it's spring break here uh, in in Medford, uh, there's no youth group and no Awana this Wednesday. Also, so no men's and women's Bible studies this week, too, so make note of that. Just a minute, I'm going to pray and uh, ask God to help us as we engage with his word. And right after that, if you're three and four years old and you'd like to go to Beginner's Church and your mom and dad think that's okay, right out these doors, you'll head over to the entrance area there and teachers will be ready to help you get your kids checked in and enjoy the rest of the service at Beginner's Church for our three and four-year-olds. But let's pray. God, as we continue to worship you, as we... Now study and hear your word together. God, we, we pray that our awe of you would continue to grow. God, we're, we're often silent towards you, but your attention goes far beyond, your attention towards us goes far beyond what we deserve. We're amazed that you would speak to us through your word and lead us through life as our shepherd. God, we're astonished by the love you have for your children. It was a love that was bought for us, and it bought us out of sin and death by the precious blood of the Savior, Jesus. God, it was your love that adopted us into your family. It was your love that took us from being your enemy to your friend. It's a love that nothing can separate us from. God, we've often lived moments and maybe days and weeks living in selfishness. Yet every time we remember the love of God, it strikes us as being so selfless. God, we're in awe of your mercy. We've often been foolish and sinful, yet your mercy towards us is abundant. God, we live many of our moments in worry and discouragement and anxiousness, and we're thankful, God, that you're a God of comfort and peace. So God, I, I pray that we would all be eager to hear and relish the good news of the gospel today as if it was the first time we were hearing it. May today be a day that we love you more and our awe of you grows and grows. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well hey church, my name is Mike. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you today. Uh, We've been in a message series called Servant Leadership in God's Kingdom, and this is the final week uh, today. And I want to give you a heads up. The the next few weeks, a little bit different, uh, Pastor George will be preaching. I'm excited about that. He's going to be leading us through a three-week series in Habakkuk. Uh, And and so in case you're wondering, there's several reasons uh, that we're doing this. And having Pastor George preach. First of all, it, it's good for us to study the message of this Old Testament prophet. I'm really excited that he's going to be sharing about that. Uh, secondly, one, one of the things that, that we desire to do here at FBC, uh, this is one of the things that the, the search team, when I came, asked me about. One of the things that the elders have asked me to do is, is work with others to, to teach them, train them in preaching and giving them opportunities to do so. And, and so preaching a full book of the Bible in a, in a series isn't something that Pastor George normally gets the opportunity to do uh, since he's not the primary preacher. So this is a, a great opportunity. I'm so excited uh, for him. I remember even the first time I got to do that in an associate role, it was just so helpful in, in learning how to preach. Um, also, when, when Pastor George and others preach, I'm, I'm freed up as the lead pastor to uh, take care of other aspects of leading the church that I normally just don't have the time to do because uh, I'm, I'm giving a huge portion of my time each week to preparing to teach you on Sunday mornings. And, and finally, when, when others preach, you get to hear the word from someone different. And this is probably the most important thing. Uh, this is good for you. Uh, although the Bible is the same, the word of God is the same, Pastor George and I and, and others... We preach the Bible uniquely. Uh, Our illustrations, our applications are going to be different than than from someone else. And and this is good and healthy for a growing, healthy church. And and so I want to encourage you to enjoy the next three weeks. I I believe you're going to be really blessed. After that, just to give you a heads up, uh, we'll we'll get into Holy Week. Uh, Pastor George talked a little bit about that. Uh, We'll have Palm Sunday, we'll have Good Friday, we'll have Easter, and then after Easter, we're going to actually jump back into the book of Ephesians, uh, which which we started last year, and I told you we'd come back to it, so we're coming back to it here after Easter, starting in chapter 4. So as I I share with you this morning, I want you to just start by imagining with me that you're new to town. And and someone invites you to go for coffee. You don't really know anybody in town, so 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 you're and you're also not much of a coffee drinker. But but you decide you're going to go. You want to get to know people, that sort of thing. And so you walk into this coffee shop. We're going to call it Hebrews. Uh, immediately, you yeah, you got that, didn't you? Some of you. Immediately, you're you're, you're going to notice all the lighting, the decor, the the big sign Hebrews in the back, the cozy seating. Uh, the, the person at the counter greets you with a friendly welcome, asking how they can serve you. Uh, you go up to the counter, you order your coffee, and, and you ask how much it's going to cost. And the host behind there knows that you haven't been in there before. And so they, they say, You know, the first cup, it's free, it's on us. You're, you're quickly impressed, right? You're like, I could come back here. This is a good place, even if I don't drink coffee. And so you go to the restroom. You, the restroom's nice, but you notice a bunch of paper towels on the floor, but you kind of overlook that because you're, you appreciate the service at this coffee shop. You, you, you find the, uh, a comfortable seat to sit down at, your, your coffee comes out, it's delivered to you. The service is just astounding. Your friend walks in, and, and you quietly whisper over to your friend, hey, th- this place is amazing. Their service, they, they, they pay attention to detail. This is incredible. And in fact, you can't stop telling all your friends and family later, later that day about how much you enjoyed your experience at this coffee shop. And so, church, let, let's be honest. When, when any of us are looking for, for a coffee shop or a restaurant, or, or any kind of business to go to and, and give our money to, we, we want to be treated well. And we should, right? We're, we're consumers. Well, if you're going to pay for a, a business or, or someone for a product or a service, we want to ensure that it's worth our money, that, it, that it's, it's a value. We, we want the product to be quality, We we want the service to satisfy. We we want to have our expectations met. This is only natural when we do business somewhere. But, But a question for you today. What about the church? What about the church? Should we look at the church in the same way as we look at a business? Or is the church different? This is part of what we're going to look at today in this message that I'm sharing with you. And so I want to start by defining the church. So very simply, the church could be defined as the community of all true believers, believers in Jesus Christ. There's two aspects of the church that are important to know that the Bible teaches. One is the visible church, those who gather in a local assembly like we are. We can see one another, right? We see one another, the church, and then you have the invisible church, which is all believers of all time. People past, present, and future. People who are worshiping on the other side of the world even right now, or earlier. People who have gone before us. And, and so the church, by God's design, is primarily a people Yes, legally, a church is an organization, a non-for-profit. Yes, physically, a local church gathers in a specific location, which we often refer to as the church building. But, But the church is actually and primarily an assembled body of believers. And so what that means is that the church is most visibly the church when? When we gather together. When the believers assemble when the believers come together that's that's when the church is most visible and in our church specifically here at FBC the church is united by belief by what we believe the Bible teaches and so what does the church believe? We could be here all day talking about what the church believes but let me let me try to summarize the the, the church believes more than this but here's how We could summarize that. We believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. That's what we believe as the church. We believe that there's one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that God created the entire universe out of nothing. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But he did it. We, We believe that although God created mankind without blemish, We have each chosen to live in sin and disobedience in our own personal lives. We we believe that Jesus, God in the flesh, came into this world to live the perfectly righteous life that we couldn't live for ourselves. There was no fault or blame for Christ. He died as the substitutionary atonement for our sins and he rose to life to conquer the dominion of sin for us. Forever, for those who believe. And so this is the foundation of what it means to believe the gospel. And, and we believe as the church that, that those who personally respond to the gospel by faith and repentance were, were saved and are now under the reign of the Holy Spirit instead of the reign of sin and death. And we also believe, as it talks about in Acts and other places, that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so here's the, here's the great reality, and here's why, why you're probably here today, many of you, why we gather for those who've received these biblical teachings is true personally. For those who've received God's gift of salvation in your life, for those who have turned from your sin and begun to follow Christ and align your life with Christ through repentance, you're the church. That's who you are now. That's your new identity. You are adopted into God's family. Now you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You're bought by the blood. We are family. This is a wonderful and glorious truth. And we're not family just because we choose to be family. And, and we don't uphold that relationship by our own choice and decision But we're actually united by the blood of Christ. It's by the blood of Christ that we're united. And that's the lasting hope we have in the union of Christ. It's not based upon you or me and our works. It's not based on you or me or how we treat one another. It's based upon Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished and and our faith in that. And so the church isn't just a community of believers. Guys, we're a family of faith. And in some ways, the, the church is so much more of a true family than the families we're born into. What, what I mean by this is the families we're born into are, are temporary. They're temporary in this life. But, but the church, the, the body of Christ, is a family that's now eternal. It lasts forever, and it's by the union of Jesus Christ and his blood that we are family. And so as you can see, although there may be many commonalities with a business or an organization, the church is very different. Although the church does want to reach as many people as possible with its message, we're we're not primarily about business marketing. There may be things we do. We're we're giving out invite cards to Easter, right? That's That's a tool. That's a way to help. But that's not our primary aim or goal is just to hand out cards to people. Although people give generously to the church, it's not primarily about getting a product in return or being served by the staff. Rather, it's about investing. We give to invest in God's eternal kingdom. Although the church, we do seek to manage money with care. But we're not about making a financial profit. That's not our goal. God owns it all, right? Right? That's not our goal. Although the church may have a nice building and, and we do. Have you looked around? We do have we have a wonderful building. and I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that this year we're planning to pay off whatever's left in the loan of this building. It's just a wonderful blessing. we're going to celebrate that. But the building is only a tool. Although the church is composed of people, the, the people, you, me are not primarily resources to be managed, but we're a family to grow together. And so how do, how do I know if I'm part of the church? How, how do I know if that's true for me? Now, although the foundation for being part of the church is actually to trust and follow God's work of the gospel, we, we practice something called church membership to help assure believers and to clarify who church leaders are responsible to shepherd. So, so that's something that we've, we've done as a church to, to help clarify that. And so our membership process, it isn't perfect, but it allows us to help believers to be assured of their faith in Christ. And so here at FBCR, in our membership process, we talk a lot about the gospel and our purpose, what, what, we, what our primary calling is as a church. It's a, it's a six-week class, not, not just so that we have time to cover all the content, but, but we actually want to get to know one another and build the relationships because we're a, a family. And I understand that this, this process may seem a little bit lengthy to some, especially if you've had a different church experience before, but, but we do a lot of this to help assure believers of their salvation and help to connect them to Christ. And so if you're interested, we're, we're going to have another membership class coming up on, on Mondays in April, just giving you a heads up, more info to come on that. But I want you to think about it like this. If you travel to a foreign country and you need, you need help with your passport, imagine you're in this foreign country, maybe even another language, you need help with your passport, you can, you can go to a U.S. embassy, Right? Some of you have probably experienced this before. The, the embassy bears the authority of the U.S. government. It, it can say to the local government where they're at, this is what the United States requests and what it intends. It can say, he, he's one of ours. And so if you need to renew your passport, the embassy can do that. The, the, the embassy doesn't make you a citizen. You're a citizen at birth. But, but an embassy will officially recognize and affirm your citizenship. It, it speaks of the United States in a way that you cannot, even as you are a U.S. citizen. And so here's, here's the comparison. Likewise, churches, they don't transform people into disciples. I mean, we, we participate in that work, but it's not our, that's not our work, primarily. We become Christ followers when we're born again By the Holy Spirit, by God. Uh, Jonathan Lehman uh, writes in his book, Rediscover Church, he says this, Churches are embassies of heaven, which Christ has tasked with affirming our heavenly citizenship. That's a a good way to think about it. He, He goes on to say that church membership is a church's affirmation and oversight of the Christian submission to the church. And it's oversight. Guys, there's a difference. We're, we're, not, we're not trying to be divisive in the, I'm not trying to be divisive in this statement. But, but there's a difference between a church member and a church attender. Uh, attenders are, are welcome here at FBC. If you're a tender, we're glad you're here. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, attenders are, are people who are checking out a church. They're trying to discern if, the, if a particular church is a good fit for them or not. Some people attend a church for six months and they want to become a member. Other people, they're attending a church for years and years and years before becoming a member. Church members, on the other hand, are people who have formalized their commitment to the church. They they want to be affirmed as Christ followers and submit to the church and its oversight in their life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says as he writes to the Philippian believers in chapter 1. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So here, Paul, he's writing to a specific group of believers. It's a church, a gathering of believers in a location called Philippi, and Paul, he remembers them. He's not with them in the moment, but he remembers them, he prays for them, and he's full of joy. Why? Well, he says it in the text because of their partnership in the gospel. I love this phrase that Paul writes, and Paul alludes to this phrase and mentions it in different ways elsewhere in his writings. But I think this phrase is so vital in understanding what it means to be part of the church. Just like the the Philippians were partners in the gospel with Paul, you and I, we're we're partners in the gospel with one another. As you would look around the room, we're partners in the gospel. Who makes us partners in the gospel? Well, Christ does. Jesus Christ, by his shed blood, makes us all who, who are in Christ, partners in the gospel. So there's a union with Christ that happens because of God's work in our lives. And we become partners in the gospel. That's what it means to be part of the church. Look at verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1. This is kind of where we'll be this morning. Um, Paul writes, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says he's sure of it. That it's Christ who began a good work in you, church. A a good work of the gospel in your life. And Christ is going to cultivate the gospel in your life and, and bring that good work to completion. And so as days pass and weeks and years pass, you're going to be sanctified as you follow Jesus, as you walk in the Spirit, as you trust the Father... In the fellowship of the body of Christ, the church. And, and so if Christ makes us partners in the gospel, how do we visibly know that we're partners in the gospel? Well, we affirm our partnership. We, we make a commitment. Again, that's, that's what we do here at FBC and many, many, many other churches do the same thing. Our membership process. And then the congregation does the affirming, the congregation of believers, those who are members. And so it starts with the pastors and the staff teaching the membership class. The elders oversee and interview prospective members. And then the congregation members, they gather and they vote to affirm those people who want to become members as members. And, and here's the, the reason we formally... Do church membership is to visibly clarify who are partners in the gospel. For people to say, you know, I'm in and I want to be part of this. Church members are partners in the gospel. In in Scripture, Jesus refers to partners in the gospel as servant leaders. We've talked about this throughout our series, and uh, I want to bring you back to a text, Matthew 16, just briefly. This will be on the screen. Where Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, this is a hard, heavy message that Jesus gives. He says, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's at the heart of what it means to be a Jesus follower that you're walking, following Jesus. And following Jesus isn't the easy, comfortable road that some of us think it should be. Sometimes in America, we've gotten so comfortable with Christianity in our country that we think that it should be smooth sailing. But there's suffering that comes as we're servant leaders in Christ. We've talked about this quite a bit, this idea of servant leadership. Servant leaders follow Jesus. They humbly own responsibility. They, they have an expectation of suffering just as Jesus suffered for us. It's for the sake of the gospel. Servant leaders are partners in the gospel. Church members. The, these are terms that, that describes God's redeemed people. And So what I'd like to do for, for just the rest of our time this morning is just share a few overarching traits of that, that are found in church members as servant leaders and partners in the gospel as we function in the context of the church, the body of Christ. And, and here's the deal. Although these traits may be seen in those who haven't formally and visibly become church members, that's the reality. These traits should be evident in those who are church members. Does that make sense? And so remember, remember church membership, it's not a magic formula, it's not this magic transformation that happens or anything like that. It's, it's simply a visible way of assuring believers and clarifying who believers are in a local church context. And so the first trait that we'll, we'll look at is they are worshipers. This is true for servant leaders, Christ followers, church members. Do, do you remember how Paul began his letter to the Philippians. If you look back at verse 3, he starts with these words, I thank my God. So what's Paul doing here? Paul's worshiping. He's thanking God. He's, he's filled with this heart of gratitude. He's worshiping God for the union he has with Christ. But, but, but also what that union means, it means that he's in fellowship with these Philippian believers. That they're united together. By something that's beyond themselves. The blood of Christ. That's worth worshiping God for. And and worship is at the heart of what it means to be a church member. A Christ follower. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. We'll have this on the screen. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting. Not forsaking, not abandoning this habit of meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That we'd be a people, and so many of you are, I'm so encouraged by that FBC, that we'd be a people who don't forsake the habit of gathering together as the church to worship God. Yeah, we can do that in our living room, Right? But, but we, get the, we get that visible reminder and picture of who we are as the church, bought by the blood of Christ, united in Christ, the body of Christ, when we can, we can look around the room and we can see our brothers and sisters sitting there too. And we can, we can encourage them. and We can connect with them. And so church, church members intentionally gather together as God's people to worship him. We, we gather as the visible church to glorify God by giving of ourselves to God. It takes sacrifice, especially on a cold morning, to get here on, on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Some, some of you drive, you know, 30. I know of, I know of a couple of people who drive almost 45 minutes or more to get here on a Sunday morning. Maybe more. But we do this to give of our time, to give of ourselves, to worship. To worship God and to be an encouragement to one another. We we lift up our voices to sing to God. We do this as we pray together, turning in faith to God with, with the real circumstances of our lives, the things that we've been carrying all week, we turn in faith to God. We glorify God by hearing and trusting and obeying God's word. And we glorify God as we help and serve and encourage, listen to, and pray for others around us. Not just holding up in our own little world doing our own little thing by ourselves. Guys, this all happens as God's people we gather together. And and the Bible points us to worship in this way, and so we do. We center our times of worship on gathering as God's people, glorifying God and giving of ourselves. Another trait that's found in church members is that they are connectors, connectors. Connectors. Look at what Paul conveys to the Philippian believers in verses 7 and 8 of of Philippians chapter 1 there. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, as if you needed to justify it, right? Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you guys see what's going on there? Paul's saying, it's right for me to feel this way about you. How does he feel? What can you see in the text? How does he feel? He, He says, I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Guys, this reminds me of what King David spoke to his fellow followers of God in Psalm 16. We'll have this on the screen. As as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That's a profoundly beautiful statement. For, For both Paul and David, they saw their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as joy. As a delight. They they do almost anything for one another. And I believe this is true because they were united as partners in the gospel. They were fellow servant leaders of one another. And so they had one another's backs. They loved one another. They, 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 They wanted to be together. Their affection for one another only grew and increased. And so if you're a Christ follower, here, here's the question. How do you feel about your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? As you see them, as you look around, as, as you gather on Sunday mornings or different times throughout the week, do you cherish them? Do you, do you love them? Do you find yourself anticipating and yearning to spend more time with them, to gather with them, to to have them over for a meal? Are you thinking of regular ways that you can connect with them? Or has your gathering become a habit of, hey, good to see you, and then you just kind of go on your way? The pressures of this world, the busyness of our lives, it's easy just to fall into that trap. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's not just a bumper sticker verse, people. Guys, that's the truth. The more time we spend together as believers in Christ, the more we seek to share vulnerably from our lives and our hearts with one another, the more we listen with care and seek understanding, The more we'll dig into the word together, the more, guess what, we're going to grow in our Christ-likeness. You're going to see Jim, and he's going to be more and more like Christ each and every day. You're going to see Susie, and she's going to look more like Jesus as the years pass by. It's not just opening your Bible each day. It's not just going through the motions of your prayer list. It's not just showing up to church each Sunday. It's being connected to the body of Christ, united by the blood of Christ, sharpening one another day after day, year after year, and becoming a follower of Jesus. Guys, we'll become sharper images of Jesus in this world when we live this way. In community. The fact is that God designed us to mature in Christ centered community. I don't know if you know this or not, but we weren't designed by God to mature in faith on our own. And that's one of the reasons God created the church. In, In a sense, the church is the tangible love of God. And so what do we do? We we share smiles and handshakes and hugs. We we serve and give and sacrifice for one another. And so I want you just to think about this real hard. When when you're not here on a Sunday morning, or or when you're not connected to a life group or a Bible study or, or some kind of relational community in the life of the church, You're missed. You're missed. You're missed because God's given you something to give and share with his people. And so if you're not around, you're not able to give what God's given you to share. And and so before you come to worship next week, or before you show up at your life group this week, consider how God might want want to use you to encourage someone else. Pray about it. Ask God to give you an opportunity. And then go and seize it. Encourage one another. Pray for someone. Not just privately. Go find them and pray with them. Reach out to someone you haven't seen in a while. Don't just think, well, I guess they don't want to come anymore. Call them. Go to their house. The reason we do those Easter invite cards is so you can give it to someone. It's not just your take-home reminder for your refrigerator. Give it to someone. Invite them to come with you. Be a connector. That's who servant leaders and church members and Christ followers are. Another trait found among church members, investors. Investors. Think about it. Every one of us has something to give. You have something unique to give. Maybe maybe you're older and you you can't get out as much. You can't do what you used to do because your body won't allow you to pray, to get on the phone and call and talk to somebody. You have something to give. The things that we have to give usually come from a, a skill or your time or your financial resources. Those are usually the areas that we think about. And, and so there are multiple ways that church members are investors in God's kingdom, the church. One, one example would be giving, right? As uh, church members characterized as an investor, we, we do that. We, we look at ourselves that way because we, we take that which we have first been given from God monetarily because everything we have is from God and we take a portion of that and we generously invest that back into God's kingdom building work through the church and and we do this because all that we have has actually been given to us from God it's a blessing you might think well I earned that well yeah you may have worked But God's the one who provided the job. God's the one who sustained you in that job. God's the one who sustained your health to do that. God's the one who's blessed you to have what you have. And so in 2 Corinthians 9.15, the word says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's not talking about money. That's talking about Jesus Christ, that which money cannot buy. You could have all the money in the world, and you couldn't buy that. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And so when we recognize that that's our heart, that heart is a heart of gratitude, and it leads us to give generously. That, that, that you recognize how your sin separates you from God, the reality of that. And at the same time, you, you recognize the extravagant grace of Jesus Christ in your life. And your heart, it begins to fill up and overflow with gratitude so that you give and give generously and faithfully from what you have. And so you're, you're a person who gives. Not primarily looking for someone to serve you, but that God would be glorified, and others would respond to the gospel and see the true reality of Jesus Christ in their lives as well. What a wonderful hope. Giving. That's one way we're investors. Another way is is serving. As Christ followers, we serve others with grace and mercy because that's what Jesus did for us. I've said this many times before, but if you're new here or maybe, maybe you've been around here for a little while and you're, you're just not connected in a serving way, you can go to our welcome center in the lobby and find out ways to serve. There's a serving card out there where you could talk to the person there and they could give you some information as well. Maybe you want to check with your friends who's, who are here. If you, if you have friends that you know, uh, find out how they're serving. I also understand so many of you are already serving. And some of you may be serving in ways that that are behind the scenes, in ways that that people wouldn't even know. Guys, this is what it means to be an investor. And then equipping. Equipping is simply learning how to use the gifts that God has given us to share with others. And so this could look a variety of ways. You might be asked to step out in faith to serve in a new volunteer role. Maybe it's a role that you're not you're not so comfortable with, but you're being asked to do it, and you're going to, after praying, you're going to step out in faith. Or, or maybe you have this opportunity to invest in someone, invest your time into somebody else who's going through a difficult season of life, maybe needing to make a big decision that they don't know how to make. Or maybe God's asking you to mentor someone who's spiritually younger than you, just learning the ways Christ. These are just a few examples of how God may want to use us as investors. And the last trait I'll share with you today is that of, of church members, servant leaders is goers. What, what do I mean by goers? Well, if you remember, after the resurrection of Jesus, he, he gathers his disciples on a mountain and he says, Go, and therefore Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. That's the text that's known as the Great Commission. It's the it's church's marching orders from Jesus. And so when I use the term goers, is what, I, what I mean is that we're, we're people of the Great Commission. We're defined by that. That's who we are now. That, that we bless and partner and send and make disciples. That, that we're blessing our community by serving them and sharing the gospel with them. That, that we're partnering with other gospel-centered organizations in our community, like, like Abiding Care or Forest Springs. We, we send people out to do the Lord's work on mission trips, and we make disciples sharing the gospel with those whom God has placed in our world and inviting them into a relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be people of the Great Commission. And so these are just a few traits of of servant leaders, of church members, of Christ followers, that we're worshipers, we're we're connectors, we're investors, we're, we're goers. This isn't just what we tell people in the membership class, though, In Christ, this is who the gospel grows us to become. And so the question I started with today, is the church like a business? Are are we just consumers who gather here Sunday mornings? What do you think? I don't think so. I think the church is composed of servant leaders who are redeemed by the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ. And and if you've received God's gift of Jesus by grace through faith, you are now his. You're you're now a person who sees sin as repulsive. And so you're given the privilege to repent, turning to follow and step with Jesus. And if this is you, you're now a servant leader, a Christ follower, a partner in the gospel. And so how does this, how does this look different in the church? Let me go back to the illustration I began with. The coffee shop. So now, now you've been going to this coffee shop for a while. In fact, you love it so much that you've met everybody there. You started as a person who didn't even like coffee. It was bitter. And now, uh, you know almost everybody there. A position at the coffee shop opens up, so you put in your application. They hire you. Uh, Eventually, the, the owner asks you, he has a conversation with you, he asks you to become a partner, to share in ownership of the coffee shop. You go for it. And so now you're a partner. And so, when so what happens is when someone new comes in, you greet them with a smile. You, you ask how you can help them. And, and when, you, when you go to the restroom and you find the paper towels on the floor, what do you do? You don't just pass them by, you pick them up. And when you notice the coffee beans are out of stop, you don't, you, stock, you don't just say, well, somebody else will take care of that. You get, you get on the phone or you get on the computer and you order more. Because you're no longer a consumer, you're a partner. Friends, in some ways, that's what it's like to be part of the church. If you're bought by the blood of Jesus, you're now a partner in the gospel. You don't primarily come to worship or life group to consume or get something from others. You're you're now a servant leader who who takes up your cross to give of yourself and follow Jesus. And so the reality is now there's a transformation that's happened. It's no longer about yourself, your own personal wants or desires or preferences. That's not what the church is. Guys, it's all about Jesus. Because he's the one we worship. He's the word of life we follow. And and so by the grace of Christ, you've been invited in to be a partner in the gospel. And so as you listen today, will you receive that call and privilege? It's as simple as receiving the gift of Christ by his grace. It's undeserved. Surrender yourself. Repent of your sin and begin walking in step with Jesus as the Holy Spirit and the Word of God lead you to do. What a joy it is to be partners in the gospel together, church. That's what it means to be the church. Father God, it's a true privilege. To be called your own. And to be invited into a relationship in which we can repent of our sin and not walk in that way any longer. What a joy it is. What a joy it is to leave that behind. You, Lord God, have made a way for us to be set free from the dominion of sin and death forever. Praise you, God. Our only hope in life and death is that we are not our own, but we belong to you through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so God, thank you for calling us to be servant leaders in your kingdom. Thank you for calling us to be your sons and daughters in Christ. Because it's in Christ alone that our lasting hope is found and secured forever. And it's in Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen.
2: I invite you to stand if you're able with me as we worship with that foundational truth that we are in Christ alone. Bound together. In Christ alone. It's the Lord.
1: Let me leave you with these words it's my heart for you I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and I am sure of this that he Jesus Christ who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Mm -hmm. Go in peace, church.